Hello and welcome. You're listening to Fourth Estate, the show where journalists talk journalism. Coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Oyora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name is Peter Frey and I'm the co-director of the Centre for Media Transition at University of Technology, Sydney. And my producer today is Anthony Dockrell. So after all the excitement of last week's AFP raids on the ABC in the home of a News Corp journalist and the ongoing debate those raids have sparked about press freedom, uh, this week we're going to, uh, to be talking about a far more mundane topic, uh, namely the future of journalism. Now, okay, I'm being, I'm being facetious. Um, and before you say or think it, let me be clear, the freedom of journalists to do their job in holding the powerful to account, is absolutely vital to the future of journalism. And that's a subject we'll be returning to in the near future. But this week we have a a pretty big fish to fry. It's called the Digital News Report. It comes out of Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism at Oxford University. It is the world's biggest, most comprehensive survey of what news consumers think about the news, about journalists and journalism. Uh, In it, news consumers are asked a series of very in-depth questions, and in Australia, those questions are wrangled to the floor by the very impressive, very wonderful colleagues uh, at the News and Media Research Centre at the University of Canberra. And joining us on the line from the national capital is Caroline Fisher, former ABC journal turned University of Canberra journalism academic, and more to the point, she is the project leader for the Digital News Report Australian edition this year. Was that fun, Caroline? It's always fun, Peter. Um, it's a it's a huge piece of work. Um, so it's it's a challenging piece of work and we also, we know, it's not the only thing we do. We teach and do other things. So um, it's a big project, but we love it. And what, just quickly, uh, tell us a few things about, you know, the mechanics of the survey, you know, when it's done uh, and more, uh, I guess more to the point, why we should care about what it says. <laughs> okay. So, look, it's an online survey right. um, of Australian adults, uh, news consumers, um, and uh, it's conducted at the end of January and the beginning of February each year. This is the fifth year we've conducted the Australia survey. Uh, like you say, we are the Australia partner for the Global Reuters survey, um, and there were, I don't know if I've already said this, 2010 adults. 2010, um, yeah. The questions that we ask in this survey are asked across the 38 countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some minor uh, national variations, but on the whole, uh, we ask very similar questions, the point being that we can offer this global comparison between countries, and, you know, it's the only survey of its kind that does that. Yeah, no, and it's, uh, look, for anyone interested in journalism uh, anywhere in this country, or anywhere in the world, I, I think, really, uh, this 38 countries surveyed, right? I mean, it's a very important uh, annual event, and anyone interested in journalism should have a read. That, that's your commercial plug, right? That's your plug. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for the uh, – yeah, that's right. For, uh, but this, the this year's report uh, does make for some uh, pretty sobering reading, though, doesn't it? I mean, the number of Australians with a high interest in news has dropped over the past year. The, the number of consumers avoiding the news is growing, and many Australians think the news is too negative and not relevant to their lives as I say, yeah. uh, so sobering. Talk us through those results, perhaps uh, mentioning a little bit how we compare with other nations. Obviously, we can't talk about all of them. And, and more, more to the point, probably, where the trend line is going um, in, in those kind of key areas, because it really is very sobering, isn't it? 
Look, it is sobering. I mean, the important thing is, of course, um, it's got to be seen in the context of the health of the news media landscape. And, of course, you know, it's been going through very troubled times. And if you look just at Australia, um, you know, over the last 12 months, there have been closures, there have been job losses, uh, there have been takeovers, there's been turbulence at the national broadcaster. So all of this is, you know, is a, is a background, you know, the context, important context for the figures in this year's chapter. But just, so, on, just can I interrupt on that? Do you think that yeah. news consumers, frankly, give a damn about what happens to us, to journalists? I think that, um, I think it, it feeds in, even if it's, if they're not directly um, cognizant of the, you know, the job losses, cuts, etc., mm. uh, that are going on in newsrooms in Australia, the impact of those cuts, uh, contractions, takeovers, turbulence, mm. that does play out, I think, in the quality of the news produced by those news organisations. Uh, okay, no, sorry, yes, that's, that's a fair point. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you, but I just wanted to jump no, in on that. No, that's fine. So I guess I, I guess the important thing is, is these these numbers don't just float in the air. They, they, you know, they are they are in a context. They are particular mm. to Australia, and there are variations, and and those variations are there because of the different, you know, the different um, events happening in those places and the different cultures, you know, different news cultures. Well, we'll so, get to a bit of that. But, yeah, this – but in terms of, say, high interest in news, we, we're we yeah. down there with the some of the lowest in the on Yeah, the we do have a lot of interest in news. Um, can I say, you know, and we have very uh, low consumption of news in comparison to all of the other countries in the survey. We are, we are considered the lightest uh, – consumers of news, that being uh, we have more people consuming news once a day or less um, than any other country in the survey. Um, Are you surprised by that? (laughs) I was uh, because, interestingly, this year we saw an increase within the the proportion of of Australian news consumers who are actually considered to be heavy consumers. So they're they're consuming news more than once a day. So there has been an increase in the number of people consuming news more than once a day. But even still, regardless of that, we are still the lightest news consumers out of the 38 countries. So I was surprised. Do you have an and idea we, why? I mean, is it because the weather's yeah, well, too I good? Mean, we didn't have, we've tried to dig into it. My first instinct was, oh, it must be education. It's related to education. Yeah. Because that's such an important uh, demographic variable. Uh, but, in fact, that, that that's not the case. Um so I think it comes down to a couple of things. If we look, there are some clues in the report. So we, we tend to have lower interest um, and that, you know, if you're not as interested in news, you're going to consume it less. We have lower interest in politics. Uh, again, if you're less interested in politics, you're less likely to consume it. But outside of that, I, I actually think it's a cultural issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at one of the other questions, which we'll probably come to later, but about paying for news mm. and giving people a choice, you know, if you had to do an online subscription, would you choose online video, online music, you know, online dating, online gaming or online news? You know, more, you know, overwhelmingly people will choose online video followed by online music and, and online news is down the bottom, you mm. know, which tells me that we have, um, a, you know, a hunger for entertainment, you know, uh, and and that's our preference over, over news. And I think that that is, these are cultural differences rather than, say, educational. Could it be also that we are producing uh, not the not the right type of news, as it were? Because <laughs> yeah. we all know news is a choice, right? I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. people make journalists make choices, editors, publishers, you know, uh, producers, etc., make choices about what constitutes the news. 
If you were, uh, you know, an editor reading these this data, would you kind of go, oh, gee, maybe I'm getting it wrong? Yeah, look, I think there are, you know, some, some you know, I think there's information pointers in the, this report and, you know, in the previous, the other four reports that we've done, which do, you know, I think uh, point to areas that requires some deep reflection. And I thought it was really heartening actually yesterday at our launch that, the that you know, Gavin Morris, the head of, you know, ABC News uh, there and um, the editor of The Weekend Australian, Michelle Gunn, and uh, Karen Middleton for the Saturday paper, I think they, they really engaged with that and particularly the, the, the data around negativity. So, you know, a substantial, you know, uh, percentage of news consumers, Australian news consumers, think that news here is, is too negative. Mm. And when we, you compare us again against um, other countries where, you know, we're right up there and, you know, with the UK, um, and the UK has had, you know, a turbulent time with Brexit um, and has quite an adversarial press. So, you know, we, yeah, news consumers perceive, um, 44% of news consumers here think that the news is too negative. Mm. Um, so, that's something to think about. Uh, does also, it mean we all have to get happy news? <laughs> I mean, more no. cat memes. I don't know what does it mean? what does that really mean. I, I'm not, just what do you think? Well, I think what it what it says is that that we need, we need a mix, you mm-hmm. know, um, because there is a turn off factor uh, if if news becomes too negative, and if uh, people we've got you know an increase in avoidance of news, there is a link. Uh, uh, between avoidance and negativity, there's a link between avoidance and being worn out. All of these things, they're they don't they're not causal, but there are connections between all of them. You know, yeah. the, the people who are avoiding, the people who are feeling a bit tired, the people who are, you know, there there are similarities between these people. Um, and so there there are these are things that we need I think need to look out for. The other thing is, of course, is that you know the report shows. Um, that Australians, uh, news consumers, actually aren't very interested in politics. Yes. And um, yeah, we'll, get, we'll get to that because it really is a very yeah. strong showing. But a, a lot of political coverage also is very negative. Yes. I mean, now that's, that's the nature of the game, because, actually, isn't it? Well, that's, I mean, that's right. I mean, we've had a fairly negative political sphere to report on. Yeah. But, you know, the very nature of reporting is often negative. We are very conflict-driven. It is the main news value. Mm. And actually, it's been fascinating... Just um, listening, I've done a lot of interviews about this report and mm. listening to the introductions as I'm waiting on the on the phone, you know, to to start the, the interview. And, you know, wow, <laughs> they really over-egg the negative, um, <laughs> the negative take in the report. Oh, I hope I, um, I, how did I compare? I'm, now I'm very... Par- no, no, you were reasonable. I'm paranoid now. Really, I've, I've felt like I've had to, you know, come on and say, hang on a minute, it's not all that... <laughs> You know, um, because we really do tend, uh, as journalists, to, to you know, to absolutely, you know, go for that that negative that. Yeah, it, it's, that a, it's a very very interesting point, and and I guess we're not going to fix it in this next thirty minutes, but it's <laughs> it is as you say a cause for reflection. It, you you slice and dice your findings through various sort of lenses. There's a education lens, as you mentioned. Uh, there's kind of country v city, and then there's generational. So yeah. talking about the generational gap, because that seems to be very real and, and growing. And again, hate to be negative, but again, a bit troubling. So when it comes to trust in news, for instance, older people are far more, far more likely to agree the news media is holding the powerful to account than, say, Generation Z and Y. The Ys and Zs are the millennials and post-millennials, respectively, born after yeah. 1981 and now aged somewhere between 18 and 37. 
Those were the yeah. days. Anyway, uh, so only about one in three of those generations give journalism a tick for, for holding, holding the powerful to account, which is kind of central kind of promise of journalism. So what's going on? Uh, what, what's the caper here? Yeah, well, it's really interesting. And also, if you, you go, you know, and slice that even a bit finer, Gen Z um, women uh, particularly, uh, you know, feel, uh, I think, you know, sort of disenfranchised in that, in that regard from the news. I think it tells us that, um, that they, the younger generations, I think, are saying here uh, that the issues that they care about mm. uh, aren't being addressed fully. And I, and I think... Uh, you know, when you think about God, the never-ending inaction on climate change, you know, and the, you know, and um, really trying to get that, you know, um, governments to really act on that. I think if you were a Gen Z or a Gen Y, you'd be feeling fairly desperate by now about that. Um, so I think it does say to us that there are some of the issues that are particularly um, close to their hearts that mm. they feel that there is enough action on and enough coverage of. So what's the answer here? So journalism has to hope that the Older people who actually are more inclined to like journalism uh, live longer, which is actually happening. And then by the time that those older people live a bit, you know, another decade or so, the Gen Zs and Ys will grow older and they'll get into the news habit. Is that our best bet? Uh, possibly. Uh, that's. I mean, Peter, you're known for your cynicism. Um, oh. So let me try and look, I think a couple of things will happen. People get older, and as they get older, their concerns change. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that uh, they will become the age group that actually probably more closely reflects the age group of the journalists writing the stories. Uh, and some of their aspirations, I think, will link more and they will relate more to the news that's being served up. So I think in that sense, I think um, some of those relevance issues uh, will become less, you know, less, less extreme as this, these younger generations of mm. news consumers. No, I guess oh, that's what I'm getting yeah. at, yeah. Yeah, so I think there will be a gen generational shift. I mean, and I think that is a fault, you know, that is a fault of, of newsrooms that, you know, that tend to be middle class, they've got, you know, um, you know, that they're, they're well educated, they're middle class, they've got these sorts of middle class aspirations and concerns. And mm. so if you're not you're not in that, you know, the baby making house buying business, then, then of course, a lot of the news is actually not very relevant to you. So, um, like I say, I think some of those questions will shift for those mm -hmm. those generations. But really, unless newsrooms get to grips with that and start really, you know, focusing on news that is more relevant to young people, uh, then then there's always going to be this disconnect. Mm. And that's a fair, very fair point. I, I, so if I were a young journalist or a would-be journalist listening to us talk, I mean, some of your students, some of my students maybe, so what in this report would inspire me to take up a career in journalism? The desire to do it better, Peter. Yeah, no, fair enough. It. Yep. Um, Make it and, better. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, when I look at this data, I, I think, my gosh, it is so important. We've got to lift this. We've got to lift the standards. We've got to lift the awareness. And I would be going into it, you know, all guns blazing <laughs> to be a reformer. They're the sorts of journalists we need anyway, young, young journalists. So I hope... Uh, that they're the people that, that are attracted to it. But that's what I'd be taking out of it. Mm -hmm. And I'd be trying to make it more relevant and I'd be thinking, right, well, I'm going to speak to those young people who are disengaged because um, I know what they're interested in and I'm going to get in there and tell those stories. Okay, and they probably need to get rid of old farts like me, do you think? 
well, you've already been gotten rid of. What are you talking about? Oh, and I, I, I self-rid of myself. I self-rid myself. I'm not a journalist anymore. I now research <laughs> it just like you do. So you know, we're, we've already been got, we're, we're already old news. Oh, oh, that's that's sobering. Another sobering moment from the digital <laughs> news report. Um, I, I'll grow out. I want to grow out those sorts of answers in a second uh, because we're going to before the show is over nominate how we would start a successful new news venture, but. Um, I want to go back to, and yeah, some of the more sobering aspects again, two aspects which would very much keep any journalist or news executive up at night. Um, one is, you mentioned earlier, the reluctance of consumers to pay for news. Uh, and worse still, the news avoiders. Uh, the report says 62% of news consumers say they avoid the news occasionally, sometimes, or often, which is a remarkable figure. And that's five percentage points over the up over the past two years. So this is an attitudinal thing, right? Because it yeah. sort of sounds really scary. There's a that's a, I know my math is never any good, but about eleven million Australians avoiding the news. Uh, so I just wonder, did you break that down a bit? Did you break down the yeah, occasional, yeah. sometime, and the often? Yeah, yeah, no. And in fact, I went and did that for you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Is this new news? Is this a scoop? That's right. Special, you know, bespoke analysis here for your for your podcast. Okay, so um, the shift. So we asked this question in 2017, and we've asked it again this year. So the people who um, avoid news often that stayed the same at eight percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people who uh, avoid it sometimes that's actually gone down slightly. It was 23 percent in um, 2017. It's 21 percent now. The uh, the rise has happened in the occasionally. So it was 26% in 2017 occasionally avoided the news, and this year it's 33%. So that's mm-hmm. where you know, there's a 7% increase there. That's high. Um, that's a high rise. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Uh, and uh, the people who said never, so 42% said they never avoided in uh, 2017, and again here, so 37%. So a smaller number say they've never avoided news. So we, and we see that increase really in, in that occasionally category. Well, that's interesting. I was going to ask you about the uh, Roy Morgan research that came out uh, last year, which had a slightly different picture, and I just wanted your views on that. So they, it, it said, I think, that over three-quarters of those surveys said they had not avoided the news. So does that, okay. does, I mean, look, it's a survey, but I mean. It's a survey. It would depend on its methodology, uh, who they're reaching. Are they, um, are they, I don't know whether they're, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look closely at their methodology to answer that question. I'm not sure. Hmm. Okay. I mean, look, the fact that you, you've got, you know, some substantial numbers, even if it's, do you say often is 8%? Yep. Right, and that's the, and that's consistent across the two surveys. So yeah, I mean they're the the biggest worry, aren't they? Eight percent of people often avoiding the news. Well, I tell you, the people who worry me most are the people who are excluded from the survey. Mm-hmm. The uh, the eleven percent who uh, consume news less than once a month and therefore didn't qualify. Right. So if you add the often... That that bunch of people, they worry me much more. Well, you're right, because if you add the often and the once a monthers, which is basically never, you're nearly one in five Australians really not paying much attention to the news at all. Yeah, I can't confirm that figure. But yes, there is a, a, you know, we have to acknowledge that there is a substantial, you know... um, you know, percentage of Australians who, who really aren't consuming much news. Now, they may well be getting information from, from other places which might not be considered as traditional news, in which case, uh, 
you know, they are obviously seeking information from somewhere, but we need to know much more about where they're getting their information mm. from. You and I should do some research on this. <laughs> I think that's a great idea, Peter. We should talk about that some more. <laughs> we should. Uh, so, but to go back to unwilling, unwillingness to pay, or uh, mm. avoiding news and being unwilling to pay pretty well are kind of part of the same sort of sliding scale, really, aren't they? There's, you know, they're all part of the people who you know don't really value news in, in various ways. Nick Newman, in, in your report, so he's the a senior researcher at the Reuters Institute, uh, he writes an essay in your report, and I would mention to people that it's free to download. You should, it's, a, it's a great read. So Nick Newman notes that, uh, for instance, that Norwegians are more than twice as likely to pay for news than Australians, twice as likely. Uh, so we're about 14% for willing to pay, which is just a smidge over the global average of 13%. And yeah. yet, as you mentioned earlier, we are more than happy to pay for Netflix and such like. What's going on here? Is, there, is it too much good stuff from the ABC? Yeah, or, or as, <laughs> I would never say that as a former ABC employee. Um, no. Well, look, we've, we have a, a very long tradition of high-quality free news. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people have grown up with excellent you know, free-to-air uh, television news, whether it's from the ABC, SBS and or from the commercial um, stations. So, you know, we've got a we're support for choice for free TV news. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's excellent ABC radio. Uh, as You know, there's news on every every AM uh, and commercial FM station. Um, so, look, most people have never had to pay for news in this country. Mm. The only people who've ever had to pay for it really I mean, other than the taxpayer who clearly pays for the ABC, but, you know, above and beyond your taxes, the only people who have ever paid for news in Australia have been newspaper buyers. So, and that's that's never been a majority of Australians. Um, mm. So we do have this 14% who will pay for online news. Um, that, like you say, is close to the global average. I think we need to, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how much that shifts because it really hasn't – there have been, you know, year-on-year year small fluctuations, but over the last five years, I mean, that's reasonably steady. Um, it will be interesting to see how much that changes um, over time. Do you think we need um, – one thing in the global survey it indicates, you know, that the Trump bump has yes. continued, and yes. I think it's about 16% in the U.S. willing to – uh, yeah. pay for news, online news. Yeah, uh, right. So do we need Donald Trump in this country to fix the news industry? <laughs> um, look, and we did see a little bit of a bump last year as well. Um, and we, we Was that the SCOMO bump, bump, was it? Well, no, we actually think it was partly to do with the – because we there's so much talk about fake news and we get so much American news here yeah. um, that we actually thought that we probably had our own little Trump bump last year. Uh-huh. Um, I, I Well, look – Possibly we do need our own little Trump bump, and I'm wondering whether or not this, the debates at the moment about the uh, the raids on the ABC, the you know the raids on uh, the News Corp journalists, the discussions around um, free speech, the fact that we don't have a constitutional right to free speech in Australia, um, that once Parliament resumes there will be debate, I'm sure, and some of the crossbenchers may well move private members' bills around, you know, amendments to um, legislation uh, to increase protections for, for a free press in Australia, I'm hoping this increased debate might be our Trump bump. Hmm. But, you know, I, I'm a glass half full kind of girl. <laughs> well, I, I think you're a very realistic person. But, you know, I, look, obviously it was a, in, in the sense of 
debate about the role of journalists last the last two weeks have been very positive um, and yes. and it will continue into parliament as you say whether that continues you know if we're still talking about it at this time you know by christmas i'll be i'll be well i'll be wonderfully surprised but maybe we'll see i guess what i mean the other thing that in a kind of broader sense again mentioning uh, nick newman but he talks about the the difference of the relationship between journalism and news consumers that has happened as a result of online. So this sort yeah. of, you know, be- before there was a kind of closer relationship, you know, you felt like the newspaper you bought was kind of part of you. Now, you know, online, people snack all over the place. That relationship is breaking breaking down. So do you think that's sort of, how do you recapture that? Rela- I mean, assuming he's right, and I suspect he is, how do you recapture that relationship part? Yeah, look, it's interesting. I mean, I guess ultimately it's about loyalty, isn't it? And, and that's, yeah, we are fragmenting out and we've got so many distractions, so many diversions. And, and, and I think this is actually a really interesting question for us. Yes, we, we, you know, we, we can say that interest in news is dropping. Is it that news, people are less interested in news or is it, in fact, that their attention is being distracted elsewhere because there's so much else on offer? Mm. And I think we can't really answer that question from this report, but I think it's a live one and that's part of this, you know, there's a... You know, school of thought around, you know, the attention economy, and it's ultimately mm. that, that's the thesis behind it. And I think in this age of online abundance and inf- information abundance, it's 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 one of the possible, you know, theories or explanations we have to have there in the background. And ultimately, there's there's not going to be one answer. It's going to be both. It's going to be, yes, there is there is a slight drop in interest in, in, in the mainstream news agenda. Uh, and, and, yes, there are more offerings and people's attention is going elsewhere. Um, I think that... You know, trust is still highest between news consumers and uh, mainstream news outlets. Uh, we're still very loyal to TV. I think that um, those brands, they do have this enduring relationship. I think people understand what they're getting, hmm. you know, um, and literally with TV, what you see is what you get, I guess. You know? okay. um, and so I think that, uh, yeah, that's right, that that relationship is probably easier to form. Um can I, can I just jump in because I'm worried we're going to run out of time. I did yeah. want – because there was some really great, very specific Australian stuff in the report, in particular about political orientation in the news. Yeah, yeah. So perhaps this is a bit of a no-shit Sherlock moment, but the report indicates that an overwhelming number of ABC News online users are left-wing. So it's some yep. 35% against 22% who say they're on the, they are on the right. So, as I said, perhaps this is no great surprise, but that is by far the biggest difference of any online news media brand. Nine, Sky, The Oz, Telegraph, etc., City Morning Herald are all pretty evenly spread. There are variations, but they're pretty evenly spread. But the ABC Online is very much home to people who think of themselves as on the left. Now, uh, can you, you know, look, that's going to feed multiple columns by uh, our dear friend Chris Kenny, but what do you make of that? Well, look, the first thing I'll say is that... Um, all of the online versions um, of uh, traditional brands uh, tend to have a slightly more left-wing audience. So I think you'll find that if you look um, the, you know, the offline, you know, that... Um, but nothing like the ABC one. ABC, yeah, I mean, your ABC one is off the scale almost. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, because they're, uh, on the whole, there's uh, uh, younger people, more younger people uh, using online. And on the whole... Uh, younger news consumers tend to be more left-wing, uh, and so that will that will explain for some of that that shift. Also, generally speaking, people who use offline brands are older, 
and uh, and also, you know, again, generally speaking, more conservative to centre in their political orientation. So it is a, it is the nature of of you know the um, the online uh, population. But does it mean that does it mean that ABC Online is more left wing? Well. Uh, okay, uh, people who left-wing news consumers tend to have higher education levels, mm-hmm. higher income levels, etc. So it has some other demographic kind of, you know, um, context, uh, and they tend to be people who are attracted to ABC. Right. I, I think you're equating being better educated to being more left-wing. Is that right? Well, we, we know from our survey that that, that is true. <laughs> okay. But, just, stick, um, just stick with the pol- that section of the report because it's, it's great. And, again, anyone interested in politics should read it. But um, you indicate that there's an interest in – the, the interest in news goes hand-in-hand hand with an interest in politics. If you're more interested in news, you probably tend to be more interested in politics. But it, this is the kind of paradox here, isn't it? Because isn't it the sort of bun fight style of political reporting – isn't that part of the problem of why people are less interested in news? So if we're going to fix yeah, news, yeah. something has to give, right? Yeah, no, look, it is a, it's a, it's a, it is a bit of a, a bind. Um, yeah, people who, I mean, high interest in politics uh, is actually, in this year's report, a bigger indicator of willing, preparedness to pay for news than, than, than high interest in news. Um, uh, can I say in previous reports when we've asked about interest in different types of news, um, People who were, in previous reports, people who have high interest in entertainment, actually, um, are also willing to pay for news. Um, but in this year's report, yes, the, the, there is a strong correlation with high interest in, in politics is, you know, the strongest indicator uh, of someone's willingness to, to pay for news. And that, that is a real dilemma because, of course, that's right, for the general populace, uh, you know, they're telling us that they're actually not very interested in politics. So, yes, you would assume that those people who are interested in politics who want to pay for it also want to read about it. Um, so in doing so, how do you attract those other readers who aren't very interested in politics? Yeah. I think Karen Middleton talked about this in a really interesting way, and I think it is, well, how do we talk about politics in in a in a more interesting and more accessible way. How do we make it more relevant to people's lives? You know, and and I think it is you know potentially trying to shift a little uh, a little uh, further away from that internal kind of the theatre, the, you know, the factional and internal bickering um, that I think insiders and and journalists all find terribly fascinating. Um, well, just to, look at the news you know, this more week. Retail kind of. Storytelling of, of politics. Yeah. Well, Actually, I know. Well, well, I mean, we, I, look, I think we all agree in principle. It's just that in practice, mm. uh, journalism is addicted to the, the to the bump fight. I mean, look at the last few days. We've been, we've yeah. been, uh, you know, it's been no, dominated by a union official supposedly saying something, which no one actually knows exactly what he said, and whether or not the leader of the Labour Party will chuck him out. Well, he says he will, but whether that'll stick, and you know, it's kind of, yeah. I would have thought is a prime example of what you're just talking about, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, it is a prime example. Now, it is important, clearly, that this issue is covered in some way. I suspect, though, there's disproportionate coverage of this issue. Mm, yes, yeah, fair point. Okay, so I've got two, room for just two more quick questions. One was the difference between uh, country-based consumer, regional consumers of the news yeah. and city. Uh, yeah. I was quite surprised that, you know, it seems regional news consumers are less, less interested, even more less interested than the city counterparts. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been consistent too across the five years of the survey. Um, so I, I suspect as well, you know, that, you know, depending on where you're living in a regional area, um, you will have a lot of other things to do. It could be that you're, you know, you may well be have um, actual, you know, 
role on a, on a property doing mm. some kind of, you know, um, um, farming work of some kind um, and, and being very busy and very long hours. Um, so uh, you certainly distracted by other things. I, I also think that um, we've seen a bit of a decline. Certainly, you know, we've had problems with the decline of newspapers um, and uh, I think that there were questions of, of relevance there too. Yeah. Um, that, you know, when, when the local news offerings shrink, then, of course, I think, you know, correspondingly, um, interest is also likely to, you know, to dwindle. Uh, so I think that's inevitable. Okay. But can I say we also have these strong demographic differences, and I think that these are probably, you know, you know, central to, to the difference. So on the whole, um, you know, uh, generally speaking, education levels and income levels in, in regional and rural and remote parts of Australia tend to be lower than in the, you know, the metropolitan capital cities. So um, and we know that people with low education, lower income, etc., have lower interest in news as well. So it, it could be, you know, come down just to those uh, mm. demographic kind of variables. Mm. It could also come down to to content and, and the particular uh, straightened times that regional journalism finds itself in. Okay, just just on that education thing, and I think this is my last question, it's quite, uh, I thought, quite a controversial thing to, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm just saying a controversial thing to link education with interest in news. I mean, you got any blowback around that? You know, this kind of no, idea of stigmatizing, you know, people with low education? Well, I mean, we don't make the data up. Um, <laughs> what no. we do is do, you know, careful analysis with the key variables. Which, and because it's such a significant factor, we decided to actually pull it out and, and highlight it because what, what is the point in hiding that? I think mm. we need to talk about it. Um, mm. And we're not the first people to do it. In fact, um, Nick Newman uh, and Richard Fletcher, uh, who, who are the coordinators of this global survey, they they uh, published some academic papers on this uh, as well because this is actually uh, this is certainly an issue in the UK. Mm. Uh, so this is not peculiar to Australia. No, uh, fair enough. And I'm not, you know, I was just interested in your views about that. And uh, by all means, you should you know, be as frank and as honest as you possibly can be, right? Well, look, you know, um, we've we've looked at the demographics and education, et cetera, and looked very clearly at um, at uh, the types of news that people with lower and higher education consume. So, mm. I mean, we've tried to lay it bare. I think we need to lay it bare. Mm-hmm. No, that's, no, fair point, fair point. I, I think we, you and I could probably talk for another hour. Uh, you probably have another, you know, journalist to talk to about this great report. And we probably need to wrap it up because we need to get this uh, this wonderful edition of the Fourth Estate out into the public. So, Caroline, thank you so much for um, being on the Fourth Estate today. Peter, thanks so much for your interest. And can I just say your ongoing collegiality and the work that you do at your research centre, it's great. Well, thank you. Well, it's a pleasure. And uh, just quickly, how can we download the report for free? Okay, so if you go to our website, uh, the News and Media Research Centre at the University of Canberra, if you go there, there will be a link to uh, where the report is stored and you can download it. Okay, Caroline Fisher, Project Lead for the Digital News Report 2019 from University of Canberra. Thank you so much for your time. No worries, Peter. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for listening to The Fourth Estate. This edition was recorded at the studios of 2SCR and will be heard across the country on the Community Radio Network. Make sure you subscribe to The Fourth Estate on your favourite podcast app so you can hear us talk about media, about politics and a few things in between at your leisure. Uh, we'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, you can stay in touch with us on Twitter where our handle is Fourth Estate AU. Many, many thanks to my producer, Anthony Dockrell. My name is Peter Frey. Thank you so much for listening. 